It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries podcast. This is your host, John Hagenhorn. And today we're going to take a deep dive into one of nature's greatest unsolved mysteries, that being orbs, balls of light that appear to produce their own glow and are often seen moving, many times in a manner that suggests that they're self-directed. They've been witnessed countless times by countless witnesses, in person, in photography, and in video. What is known today as the orb phenomenon really kicked off with the advent of digital photography in the 1990s. This went hand-in-hand hand with the emergence of the Internet as a global forum, and the subject of orbs has grown exponentially in the last 30 years. An entire structure of orb photography and belief emerged, consisting of all types of theories as to what orbs are and even what the color of an orb represents. Orb photography courses are now offered, and capturing orb pictures and video has become a shared hobby. In photography, as well as video, skeptics have a field day explaining away orbs as byproducts of camera flash or camera lenses, reflections of light, or any one of a hundred other explanations. Those who believe in ghosts or spirits call them ghost orbs or spirit orbs, and those who have witnessed them in person swear to their existence. Skeptics have a tougher time with actual witnesses, because the only way to discredit them is to say they didn't see what they swore they saw, or that they were lying. Skeptics have one basic human flaw, I think. They can't see both sides of any paranormal picture, possibly because they have a deep-seated fear of the unknown, or because they like to see their name in print. It's one of the two, I'm convinced. Twice, different members of my family have witnessed orbs. As for me, I have not personally seen an orb, and I've never seen a ghost. The closest I ever got was having a ghost car following me and then disappearing on a section of road where there seemed to me to be no turnoffs and my mind has been searching for an explanation ever since. It was a red convertible. I forget the make. It might have been a GTO. And in the front seat were two young men, aged around 17 or 18, sporting crew cuts and wearing high school letter jackets, with letters sewn on both fronts. While the remaining two young men, dressed in early 60s style, were sitting up high on the area where the top had folded down, obviously unbelted and probably drunk. A sharp turn or a swerve would have pitched them out on the road. I saw it all in my rear view for maybe three or four seconds, and then gone. 
I had seen no intersecting roads on that section of parkway. After the image disappeared, I remember trying to figure out how and when they turned, but I couldn't. Later, the event just faded from my mind and occasionally turns up for me to ponder. I have searched online for ghost cars, and yes, it's not unique. Other people have witnessed it. That subject is mostly fodder for Internet spots like Reddit. I can tell you this, that parkway wasn't around back in the 60s. It was probably farmland then. So what produced the vision? It wasn't history repeating itself like you might expect from a battlefield or an old site. And by the way, that's defined as a haunting. Asking how did that car appear is like asking what produces a ghost or an orb. You have to just shrug your shoulders. No one knows. This life goes on. Do others go on as well? Recently, my grandson had a chilling experience. I would like to be able to explain exactly what it was he saw, but I could only express it as a natural occurrence, and it wasn't my place to explain it at all, which would have been interfering. His parents, correctly, preferred to listen to him sympathetically while assuring him that what he saw was not harmful and that there was no reason to be afraid at night. He is still jumpy about the darkness, but getting over it, from what I hear. Here is what happened according to my understanding of the story. We'll call him Tommy. It wasn't unusual for Tommy to cross over from his room some nights and sleep with Mom and Dad. Not because he was scared of anything, but just because he wanted some company, as kids often do. On one such night, he crossed over and climbed into his father's side of the bed. Not far from the bed was a ladder-style bookshelf, on which was the usual assortment of books and picture frames. On the wall next to the bookshelf were two glass-framed items, one being a guest list of everyone who attended their wedding, and above that, a picture of the wedding. All this was well out of reach of anyone on the bed. The picture frames were well set and hanging on nails at each upper corner. Tommy couldn't sleep, and he was lying on his back with his eyes open. At one point he saw two, maybe three, balls of light, not strong light, and not always ball-shaped, suspended in the air near the bookshelf. Then they started toward the edge of the ladder shelf, furthest from the picture frames, and began trying to move or rock the shelf by bumping against it. At that point, Tommy shook his dad awake and whispered to him, Daddy, wake up. you got to see this. As his dad sleepily acknowledged him, Tommy watched as the orbs rocked the shelf enough to touch one of the picture frames, which was positioned maybe an inch from the right side of the shelf, and knock it off its supporting nails, causing it to fall to the floor. It seemed as if the balls of light had a purpose, that purpose being to rock the ladder shelf in a way that caused the frame to fall and break. Tommy and his dad both saw it happen. At the point that the frame fell, the orbs disappeared. Tommy's dad doesn't like to talk about the incident. To him, it's better off forgotten. Tommy's mom and dad told Tommy that whatever caused it brought no harm to anyone and that there was nothing to be afraid of. Explaining exactly what it was that he saw would have been nearly impossible, since no one knows for sure. How would you explain it to your five-year-old? So when the question came, well, what was it? The honest answer was, we don't know. But there are a lot of things in nature that happen that we don't have explanations for. This is one of those things. It's nothing to fear. There was no discussion of ghosts or spirit orbs, and I can understand why. In private, Tommy's mom has ventured guesses as to what might have guided those orbs. But guesses are all anyone has. She also mentioned that the orbs took on some human characteristics. There was a fairly recently deceased grandparent. There were possible motives suggested. Maybe there was a spirit or spirits that resented the wedding for some reason. Maybe it was just an otherworldly practical joke with no motive. 
"'but to see orbs actually rocking things "'and causing damage is a scary proposition. "'That brings us to the world of unexplained protoplasm "'being able to move matter, "'not just showing up in graveyard pictures "'or surveillance videos. "'And while I'm on the subject of unexplained protoplasm, "'I'll relate the second family incident, "'which happened years before that. "'We were renting a beach house for a week in Delaware. "'My son and daughter were sleeping in one room, "'my wife and I in the other.' My daughter saw two oddly shaped greenish ectoplasms, that's the best word I have for it, moving up the wall. She woke my son, and he saw them as well. They had a jello-like body and substance. They were translucent and glowed to some degree, green. They were apart from the wall, not touching it, and above the headboard of one of the beds. My son reached for a light switch near him, turned it on, and the moving forms disappeared. Both kids had the distinct feeling that what they had seen was some kind of life form, just nothing that science is familiar with. Could they have been spirit orbs? Your guess is as good as mine. But I would like to do more than guess. I'd like to have an answer for Tommy when he's older, an answer that makes sense. This whole subject of spirit orbs, ghosts, and the afterlife still remains a mystery, but one of which we can pretty much come to grips with if we turn off our skeptical mind filters and allow some light to enter. The best way to do that is to relate some accounts given by witnesses and see what their story is. So I started searching for witness accounts of spirit orbs, and here's what I found. The first, a headline from ABC7 New York, Florida pastor spooked by mysterious orb seen floating in the living room of his house, Daytona Beach, Florida. An unidentified flying object was caught on camera in the home of a police chaplain in Florida, leaving him with a lot of questions. Pastor Monzel Ford says he was sleeping when his home surveillance camera motion detector kept going off, so he pulled out his phone and looked at the camera in his living room. This orb, this imagery, is hovering in my living room, Monzel recalled. That's when I'm like, nope, 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 something's going on here. The Daytona Beach police chaplain says no one else was in the home. It was not a flashlight, and it was too big to be a dust particle. But I went out there. I couldn't physically see what I was looking at in the live feed. So now I'm like, whoa. He said the orb came and went for hours, at one point splitting into different shapes. The man of faith says he's been haunted by some of the things he's seen as police chaplain, but nothing spooked him like this. If it's physical, I can stand it, he said. I can challenge it. I can approach it. I can deal with it. We're talking about things floating and disappearing, Manzel said. If I know what something is, I'm okay. But it's the unknown thing that throws me off. He said the sighting led to a lot of spirited debate, but so far he's had no explanation for what happened. While the occurrence is odd, the pastor says it hasn't scared him from moving out of his home. We'll return with Orbs, a spirited debate, right after these sponsor messages. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And now back to our story. There's a lot of debate in the Christian community about orbs as they relate to spirits and ghosts. Old-school Christian thought denies the existence of ghosts or spirits, yet at the same time recognizes the Holy Spirit of Jesus, an entity which clearly exists after life. If you Google, how should a Christian understand orbs, you get this answer. Many people have been puzzled by the appearance of orbs, spherical spots of light, in their photographs. These orbs can be various sizes, but usually they are small, white, and round. Most significantly, orbs are not apparent to the naked eye. They only show up in pictures and sometimes on video. Some people view orbs as evidence of paranormal or supernatural activity in a haunted location. Many others, including Christians, have a different perspective on the existence of orbs. Some ghost chasers and paranormal investigators claim that orbs are manifestations of departed human spirits. They say that, as some ghosts seek to communicate with the living, the ghosts will exert psychic energy to make their presence visible, at least on film. From a Christian point of view, this theory has a major problem. There are no such things as ghosts, in the sense of departed spirits of once-living humans. The Bible teaches that when one person dies, he or she is immediately in one of two places, heaven or hell. There is no time for wandering or haunting. There are spirits in this world, however, unclean spirits, demons, and holy spirits, angels. Some Christians believe that orbs are real. If they see an orb in a picture taken inside their home, they conclude that there are spirits in the house. If they believe the spirits to be demonic, they might call a pastor or priest over to cleanse the house, or pray through the rooms. If they believe the orbs are good, they might take comfort in the fact that God has sent his angels to watch over them. Again, from a biblical perspective, these theories have a problem. The Bible never mentions orbs. It never hints that spirits, good or bad, will manifest themselves to us as spherical globs of light. We have no reason to believe that our modern technology can coax a spirit to make itself visible. The belief that an orb is an angel or a demon, caught on film, is based on ideas that do not come from the Bible. There is a logical explanation for orbs. Orbs are almost always photographed, one, indoors, two, using a flash, three, on a digital camera, four, with a low-resolution lens. And this is my note. Note, this is an assumption. Most digital cameras nowadays have some pretty sophisticated lenses. The article continues. These facts have led many to conclude that orbs are, in reality, dust particles floating between the camera and the subject of the photograph. The theory is that these airborne particles reflect the light of the camera's flash. They appear blurry or transparent because they are out of focus. They are not visible to the naked eye because they must be illuminated by the flash. Other small particles in the air, such as pollen, rain, or snow, can also produce the same orbs. The final paragraph reads, our belief in the supernatural does not come from photographic proof, but from the Word of God. The Bible is our guide. 
Whether or not orbs have a supernatural origin does not change the fact that a Christian is to love God fearlessly, keep his eyes on Jesus, and be filled with the Spirit. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. John 1, 4-4 Okay, that's one opinion from the Christian side. I'm not here to take on Christianity, but I can honestly say that if you ask 100 different people about what the Bible tells you, you'll probably get 100 different interpretations. By the way, I think the Bible has much to give to humanity. If everyone in the world just followed the Ten Commandments alone, what a great world it would be. I'm going to move on to the subject of ghost photography. It was given a bad name many years ago, in the mid and late 1800s, when spirit photography became a side hustle for people who wanted to prey on wealthy widows, especially after the Civil War. And professional photographers willing to go to those levels were common. This doesn't discuss orbs, but we will return to a scientific explanation of what orbs are, an explanation which I agree with, a little later in this story. As defined, spirit photography, also called ghost photography, is a type of photography whose primary goal is to capture images of ghosts and other spiritual entities, especially in ghost hunting. As mentioned, it dates back to the mid-19th century, the end of the American Civil War, and the mid-19th century spiritualism movement, which contributed greatly to the popularity of spirit photography. Photographers such as William Mumler and William Hope ran thriving businesses taking photos of people with their supposed dead relatives. Both were shown to be frauds. But true believers, such as Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, refused to accept the evidence as proof of a hoax. I have earmarked a few excerpts from his book on this subject over at our podcast called 1001 Sherlock Holmes Stories and the Best of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle in the coming weeks, so keep your eyes and ears open for that one. As cameras became available to the general public, ghost photographs became common due to natural camera artifacts such as flash reflecting off dust particles, a camera strap or hair close to the lens lens flare, pareidolia, which defined is like seeing the face of Jesus in a cloud formation. In other words, if someone wants to see the ghost of Aunt Edna in one of their pictures, they'll find a way. Or in modern times, deceptions using smartphone applications that add ghost images to existing photographs. The first practical photography, introduced in 1839, used the process called daguerreotype, and spirits were never captured. According to Owen Davies in the Haunted, A Social History of Ghosts. Ghost photography started with photographic experimentation using people standing in front of and behind glass windows or noting that the long exposures required at the time would often result in transparent images when people or animals left the frame during the exposure. Sir David Brewster in 1856 recognized that these effects could be used to deliberately create ghostly pictures. The London Stereoscopic Company decided to use Brewster's idea and created a series of images called The Ghost in the Stereoscope, but it was not until glass plate negatives were used around 1859, making double images possible, that spirits began to regularly appear in photographs. From the 1860s on, the spirit photographers were no longer using the long exposures and double images previously used, but instead used what looked like cut-out faces and bodies from magazines to represent disembodied figures. By the 1880s, as more people owned cameras, spirit photography boomed. It didn't start to decline until the 1920s, after skeptics such as Harry Houdini tried to counteract spiritualistic fraud. We covered that in our story on Houdini at 1001 Heroes, and that was some interesting research. An American jewelry engraver and amateur photographer previously mentioned, William Mumler, published in 1862 
a photograph of what was purportedly the spirit of his cousin, who had died twelve years earlier. The media sensation that this caused leave Mumbler to leave engraving and to begin a successful business as a spirit photographic medium, which he set up in New York and Boston, servicing those hoping to find a supernatural connection with relatives killed in the American Civil War. One of Mumbler's most famous images is a photograph of Mary Todd Lincoln posed with the purported spirit of her assassinated husband. The apparent spirits that Mumbler had captured were double exposures of previous clients from photographic plates that were improperly cleaned. In 1869, Mumbler's fraud was discovered, and he was charged. He was acquitted, however, despite the evidence provided that one of his so-called spirits was shown to be still alive. P.T. Barnum, who testified against Mumbler, was one of his outspoken critics, declaring he was taking advantage of people's grief. Mumbler later moved on to doing regular photography. The trial of Mumbler would make for a great book or movie, so you writers out there might want to take note. Mumbler, M-U-M-L-E-R. Spirit photography started appearing in England in 1872 from photographer Frederick Hudson Studios. He allegedly gimmicked his camera to hold a pre-exposed image that would move into place when he took his photo. In 1875, Edward Bouquet, a French spirit photographer who also had a studio in London, was arrested in Paris and prosecuted for fraud after making a full confession. He simulated spirits by wrapping dolls in gauze and attaching photos of faces onto them. His confession was widely publicized in the French and English presses. In 1891, one of, the most, one of the most famous spirit photographs was taken by Sybil Corbett. She took a photo of the library at Combermere Abbey in Cheshire, England, in which appeared the faint outline of a man's head, collar, and right arm. The figure was believed to be the ghost of Lord Combermere, who had recently died and was being buried at the time the photo was taken. Because the exposure was one hour, it was believed by skeptics that someone, possibly a servant, had walked into the room and paused, causing the ghostly outline. As mentioned before, in the last 20 years, the Internet has become the most popular place for people to ask questions and get questions answered on all things paranormal. There is an outline service out there called Quorum, where people submit questions and others try to answer. On the subject of orbs, people have a lot of questions. Of course, the answers are all guesswork. Here are some examples. Photo orbs, are they ghosts or just camera distortions? Dear Kay, what do you know about orbs? You know, those little balls of energy that sometimes appear on photographs? I've taken pictures inside one particular room of my house, and these things like faint little balls of light always appear, but in different locations in the room. This has happened using both 35mm film cameras and two different digital cameras. Also, some friends I know had the same thing happen when taking pictures in a cemetery, in pitch dark, using multiple cameras. There was nothing to cast a reflection. It was a clear night, and it wasn't raining. Could orbs really be ghosts? Yours truly, a tramp. In parentheses, member of the Redneck Appalachian Mountain Paranormalist Society. Dear Tramp, I looked on various internet sites, some by ghost hunters and others by photography buffs, and I have found mixed reviews on the subject. Of course, the photographers merely try to explain the orbs in terms of camera malfunctions, light reflections, and things of that sort, while many people who are seriously interested in ghost hunting believe that there are orbs that are a product of camera distortions. There are others, though, who think the orbs may actually be balls of energy, thought to be spirits or ghosts, and apparently there is a difference between spirits and ghosts in many experts' opinions. Mind you, all of this is speculation, 
and none of us will ever really know until we die and either become ghosts or orbs or whatever else people may believe. But let us continue anyway. A site maintained by the American Ghost Society, www.prairieghosts.com, includes an essay by Troy Taylor, author of The Ghost Hunter's Guidebook and president of the American Ghost Society. In that, Taylor writes, Despite what you might see and hear, there is absolutely no hard evidence whatsoever to suggest that orbs are in any way related to ghosts. Yes, they do often turn up in photos that are taken at haunted locations, but as you'll soon see, many of these photos have been called into question. However, I do think that legitimate photos of image anomalies, or orbs if you prefer, do exist. These photos do show a type of paranormal phenomena, but just what type that is remains to be seen. Taylor goes on to say that there's a difference between being paranormal and being a ghost, according to experts such as himself. As far as the camera distortion theory goes, while some people may deny that there were any water droplets or specks of dirt on their camera lenses, apparently dust floating in the air can also cause a reflection when you use a flash in the darkness. Did you use flashes on your cameras? One group went as far as going to an open field and taking photos, most of which were orbless, and then tramping around on the field and taking photos afterward, which gave evidence that the dust stirred up had caused more orbs in the photos. But let's go back to Taylor and his theory of the paranormal. He says that he has found that true paranormal orbs are not transparent, as many false orbs are. False orbs, ones created by reflection, tend to be pale white or blue in color and are transparent. Taylor goes on to note that ghost hunters don't simply go by the fact that they're seeing orbs in their photos. They also look at others' things that may be going on at the same time. He writes, There are a number of determining factors, not the least of which is corresponding activity. By this I mean photographing an orb just after recording a sharp temperature drop. Obviously, he has more advanced technological devices to use for this than most of us do. And here's one last note from the perspective of an animal lover and self-proclaimed cat behaviorist. I do believe that if any creatures see ghosts or other paranormal things, it would have to be cats. Why else would they become so preoccupied with staring into space with seemingly great interest much of the time? Much of the time. And I did find a website where a woman had taken pictures of her cat on a bed, and there were tiny floating balls of light floating through the air over the bed. The cat was staring directly at one. Coincidence? Hmm. Signed, K. Summer Rosa. BSW, RSW, Social Sciences, the University of British Columbia. What does it mean when I constantly see white orbs? They are there for only a few seconds and then disappear. Answer. It's a spirit trying to manifest but needs electricity to do so. Tell them they can use your energy to show you who they are. You need to give them permission to enter your body or to use your energy. If you don't give permission, they will never manifest on their own without an energy source to help them. So help them. Talk to them. Tell them it's okay. Talk to them like you would to any living person. Show them respect. Tell them not to be afraid of you. This one from Kurt, priest from the Wiccan Way. Are orbs real? Originally answered, What is the truth about orbs? Could some be for real? I have a very witchy friend in Texas who always has orbs in pictures of her. When you blow the photos up, you see the smiling faces of her Native American ancestors inside the orbs. It just so happens that this woman is also, magically speaking, the strongest witch I've ever met. 
The bottom line is that, one, zigzag orbs in photos, generally speaking, are insects. Two, orbs that, when the photo is enlarged, don't show a face, are generally speaking, dust or lint illuminated by the flash, and nothing more. Three, real orbs reveal faces when the photos are enlarged. Lives in the U.S. Next question, are orbs demonic? The majority of orbs are scientifically explainable. Dust, bugs, water particles, lens flare. Now, if you have hay fever, you may consider dust evil. But really, I would not be worried if you have orb pictures and nothing else. Next one from Patrick. What do you think orbs are? Spirit, angels, or just dust? Answer, spirits. Orbs are energy. Dust can be mistaken for an orb by someone not used to seeing both. Orbs can come in all different colors. That will tell you the type of spirit. For example, white is a loved one coming to say hi, a protective spirit. Black, brown, gray, earthbound, trapped, malevolent. Yellow, pay attention, caution. Red, restless, agitated, restless, pain. Pink, love. Orange, healing, comfort. Blue, tranquility, etc. And in caps, I personally don't believe angels would be orbs because they're not once human energy. Angels were never human. Some will disagree. Next, Adam. What are paranormal orbs? Answer. Paranormal orbs are balls of light, sometimes seen, more often photographed, that seem to occur in areas with reported paranormal activity. What these actually represent, no one really knows although the theory suggests that they're related to the presence of paranormal entities. They could be the actual manifestation of an entity, such as a ghost, often captured in the spectrum that is invisible to the eye. Some photos of orbs are effects of the camera capturing dust grains or other contaminants in the environment. Others cannot be explained as such. Next question from Esteban. Do spiritual orbs communicate? Absolutely. Completely possible. An orb is a consciousness may even be a human spirit guide or being from some other realm or world. To some extent, you are an orb, but one currently occupying a physical avatar which you will discard in a hundred or fewer years. To communicate, the orb just sends a thought into your auric field slash spirit overlay, which you may or may not choose to receive or acknowledge. It will be a passing thought, basically, just like what your spirit guide or even dark spirits can transmit and attempt to influence you positively or negatively, respectively. Peace. Next question from Indigo. How many times can my dead brother visit me as an orb? Answer. Let me set the record straight here. Orbs are disembodied entities. They can be of any sort of entity, not often demons. Demons can imitate orbs, but they will not feel the same. Always trust your heart in matters of ether, not the words of others. If it don't feel loving, it probably ain't. Usually orbs are astral projections, or souls not yet incarnated, checking out the area or you, getting a taste of the energies at play. The smaller the orb, the younger or smaller the group of souls in that specific collective, usually. An orb may be your brother, but it is quite unlikely. This one from Hidenori. Why do I keep seeing bubble-like orbs on my indoor security camera? My husband recently died. Answer, my thought and prayer for your husband's recent passing. Now, I would seriously suggest to clean around camera and also wipe clean lens once in a while. 
"'the most likely cause for you seeing that "'is dust or another particle in front of the camera lens. "'It's illuminated by the IR light source "'and shown out of focus orbs during nighttime.'" This one from Rob, psychotherapist, spiritualist. "'My friend saw a white, medium-sized glowing orb "'floating above me while I was falling asleep. "'What does this mean? "'Usually orbs are either the spirit of a deceased loved one, "'a guide slash angel, "'or some spirit that thinks you're cool and follows you around. Usually glowing stuff is good stuff. Probably something watching out for you, protecting you, etc. And the last question, what is the common understanding of what orbs are? They are spirits, but why are they small and circular? Answer, the true form of a spirit is spherical. When we see them in other forms, it is usually because our subconscious mind cloaks them into a shape that is familiar to us. Sometimes, If we do not know what the energy is, our mind will simply leave them spherical. Also, if the energy is negative, it will be interpreted in an array of horrific or terrifying images designed to make us flee as a way of protecting us. There is also the situation where the spirit may wish to be left alone and projects itself to us in a horrifying way. The key is to remember that everything we see is filtered through the mind. So many varying opinions. I recall an interview we did with Rob Demarest, who was the group lead for the television show Ghost Hunters International. I really enjoyed that interview because it gave a behind-the-scenes viewpoint of ghost hunting. Rob said that although the events were dramatized, they never faked anything they got. And they got a lot. Orbs were a big part of what they captured. Since they were in the business of finding ghosts or spirits, they went to places which were known to be haunted. Orbs were commonplace at these locations which supports the theory that orbs of spirits do exist. Far from being specks of dust or tricks of light on photographers' lenses, these orbs moved intelligently, some moving as if wanting to make contact. You can find that interview by searching 1001 Heroes or our interview podcast called 1001 History's Best Storytellers for Rob Demarest or Ghost Hunters. If I was searching Google, I would look for 1001 Heroes plus Ghost Hunting History's Hotspots which was the name of that interview, Ghost Hunting History's Hotspots. As for that explanation that I would like to give Tommy one day in the future, it would be a slightly melted-down version of the following thesis. In my research for this story, I came across an abstract titled Science Behind Paranormal Activities by Suvik Bhattacharji, which was published in the International Journal of Technology and Research. He writes his findings in a way that's easy to understand and makes some awfully good points. In section 3, he writes, Some orbs are definitely energy, and energy is spirit. However, no one knows what this energy is, for sure. Plasma balls of light, or ghost lights, orbs, have been proven to be electrically charged. Some of them are a naturally occurring phenomenon created through static discharge. True plasma orbs will normally have a more solid center, without any spokes radiating from the center, and emit their own light. Whether or not plasma-type orbs are only unintelligent, electrical discharges remains to be discovered and better understood. It's possible that some plasma orbs are intelligent spirit energy that manifests similarly. Good indications of real orbs are those that have been photographed without the camera's flash or those that are seen with the naked eye and self-illuminated. Eyewitness accounts of moving balls of light at night on the Gettysburg battlefield have been reported. For example, video recordings of these lights did not require any artificial light source. 
we must also consider that some orbs have been videotaped floating with purpose, intelligently moving around objects, etc. Whether moving fast, moving slow, or standing still, orbs are spiritually intriguing. Orbs have been known to, sometimes, hang around people. This would tend to cause some to believe that orbs might be angels, spirit guides, or deceased relatives. Those things which I have just mentioned are the conventional thoughts of orbs. Then he explains what his own research told him, that spirits live in a plasma state, not in another dimension, which is a very interesting take, I think. He writes, According to my research on orbs, I found it's a form of plasma state. Spirits live in plasma state, not in another dimension. Plasma, in physics, are an electrically conducting medium in which there are roughly equal numbers of positively and negatively charged particles, produced when the atoms in a gas become ionized. It is sometimes referred to as the fourth state of matter, distinct from the solid, liquid, and gaseous states. The negative charge is usually carried by electrons, each of which has one unit of negative charge. Nearly all the visible matter in the universe exists in the plasma state, occurring predominantly in this form in the sun and stars and in interplanetary and interstellar space. Auroras, lightning, and welding arcs are also plasmas. Plasmas exist in neon and fluorescent tubes, in the crystal structure of metallic solids, and in many other phenomena and objects. The Earth itself is immersed in a tenuous plasma called the solar wind and is surrounded by a dense plasma called the ionosphere. A plasma may be produced in the laboratory by heating a gas to an extremely high temperature, which causes such vigorous collisions between its atoms and molecules that electrons are ripped free, yielding the requisite electrons and ions. A similar process occurs inside stars. In space, the dominant plasma formation process is photoionization, wherein photos from sunlight or starlight are absorbed by an existing gas, causing electrons to be emitted. Since the sun and stars shine continuously, virtually all the matter becomes ionized in such cases, and the plasma is said to be fully ionized. This need not be the case, however, for a plasma may be only partially ionized. A completely ionized hydrogen plasma, consisting solely of electrons and protons, hydrogen nuclei, is the most elementary plasma. Now hang in there with me, because in about a minute, I'm going to tie electrons absorbing energy to spirits. He continues, So the electron can absorb energy. When it absorbs energy, energy gets concentrated around the surface of the electron core. Energy layer is creating a torque to that electron. As a result, the velocity of that electron reduces. Due to the momentum conservation, mass of that electron has to be increased, otherwise momentum conservation theory will not be applicable. Now as V decreases, M will be increased. So energy to mass conversion takes place. Now the electron becomes unstable. Then again it emits that excess energy. As a result, mass suddenly reduces, and for maintaining momentum, conservation velocity increases. Similarly, it happens for a spirit. After the death of a person or a creature, its whole mass can't be transferred completely to energy. The whole mass of the body, concentrated in a center point, and after absorbing energy from surrounding energy layers, 
forms at the surface of that concentrated mass. This whole thing is called, in my terms, spirit, and the concentrated center is called as orbs. Now, sometimes people claim to see orbs and apparitions with their naked eye. Actually, the reason behind it is in the contraction and expansion of our pupil. Our eyes are light-sensitive. We can prove it by applying a torchlight to our eyes and turning off the light in front of a mirror. In the presence of light, the radius of our pupil becomes less so that a smaller amount of light can pass to observe the scene. In the absence of light, our pupil enlarges so that more light rays can enter in our eyes. So after staying some minutes in darkness, our pupil gets large enough so that large number of light rays can enter. For this reason, sometimes rays which are in the infrared spectrum, but close to red light's wavelength, can enter in our eyes, and we see some infrared lights, such as remote's IR light or mobile's proximity sensors light in darkness. For this reason, sometimes we can see apparitions and orbs with our naked eye, as those belong to those spectrums. So there it is. Petacharji's theory is not unique to science, but it is an answer. In other sections, he states that the human eye can only pick up certain wavelengths. Almost all sightings of ghosts and orbs occur in near darkness, when our eyes have become adjusted to darkness and our pupils widen to accept things we wouldn't ordinarily see. Why can't we assume that spirits, in the form of plasma energy, are around us all the time, day and night? We only see them in darkness, and then only rarely. Cameras and video do a much better job finding them than our eyes. So when Tommy reaches the right age, and provided he's still curious, more answers are available. Although the final one, what is powering intelligent orbs, will always remain an unsolved mystery. Could it be restless souls, the spirit of those who have passed? Could they be our guardian angels? Should we change the term from dust to dust to from plasma to plasma? Thanks for joining us for 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries podcast. I hope you enjoyed this show and it gave you some new information and maybe some good room for thought. We always appreciate reviews, so if you have a moment and you enjoyed this episode, please do send us a review. We would appreciate that very, very much. We also appreciate you sharing our show with others. We'll return next week, Sunday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Time with a brand new story. Until then, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon. bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. 
Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.